Welcome to an LTFC Studio Production. Episode 4, recorded September 17th, 2017. Overcoming Giants, Part 4, recorded with Pastor Ron Robinson speaking. Today we're continuing in the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to be looking at chapters 9 and 10 uh, today. Those of you in in the Bible study class right about now, you're probably saying 9 and 10. (laughs) Just because we usually have quite a bit we want to go over and we only cover so much of it. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yes, I believe God's got a message for us today. And uh, so turn in your Bible, I forgot to look it up uh, in the Pew Bible, but Joshua chapter 9 is where we'd like to start, and let's begin with a word of prayer, all right? Um, Yes, let's pray. Father, we just pause before your presence right now to give you praise. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, that we are beginning to understand even more what it means to know your presence in the heavenlies, Father, your presence that surrounds us right here where we are. Yes, it reaches high above the heavens, but it also extends down to earth right here around us. So, Father, we thank you that you're here right now with us, sitting with us, Uh, as we open your word. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak mightily to us today. That, Father, your word would encourage us in our faith, in our commitment to you. Be with each one here. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as, as we get ready to start today, um, let me move my stuff around here. Um, I think what I would like to do is just, I like it when you stand with me to read, but we're going to read and then I'm going to talk and then we're going to read. So we'll just be seated today, but um, yeah. All right, let's start with chapter 9, verse 1. Now, when all the kings west of Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country and in the western foothills and along the entire coast of the great sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Persians, or Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. So here we see, again, just the illustration that in this time, there wasn't one king ruling, all right? There wasn't, um, there, instead, there were all of these communities, city-states, all right, that had their own kingdoms, their own governance, And uh, so in this very first verse, we see where there are all these different city-states with their leaderships are 
hearing about what's happening. You know, they, they were made aware that Israel had crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, which, by the way, happened to be the second miraculous crossing of water. All right, remember, uh, early as they were departing from Egypt, 40 years or so earlier, um, they crossed the Red Sea, all right? And now here they're crossed, they've crossed the Promised Land. I'm sorry, the Jordan into the Promised Land. So they heard about that. They also heard that they had defeated the great walled cities of Jericho and Ai, all right? They left, and in fact, they heard that they left Ai in a burning heap because of their sin. And um, Ai, by the way, was, was a very, very large, it was a great um, city, walled city. And so here we, we understand in the scripture, even in this one verse, that basically all the stories and observations of Israel's great victories struck fear in these city-state rulerships. I mean, imagine you hear this, this nation of Israel crossing over into your land, all right, and everywhere they're go going, they're experiencing great victory. And um, so that is somewhat understandable, all right? <clears throat> the response then we find out going on is basically twofold. First of all, what we see as we read through this, and I'm going to skip some of it because it's so long, is that um, we have this group of city-states that say, let's get together, let's band together, let's make one big army, and let's go and defeat this nation of Israel. All right, so that was one response. The other response was, as we read through, was to uh, use deception and try and win favor with the nation of Israel and Joshua. So these are the two forces that we see at work in this uh, chapter nine of Joshua. That other group that I'm talking about, the ones that chose to do deception was one great city. In fact, it was larger than AI, which up to that point in time was one of the largest walled cities, and that was Gibeon, all right? Gibeon was an, a very large city-state, although at this point in time, as we read in Scripture, it, it, there's really no mention of that city-state having its own king. I'm sure they had some council of leadership, but... Um, the point is that when they had gotten together with some other smaller communities around them, three others in particular, they decided, look, everything we've heard about this nation and this leader, Joshua, it's impossible to come up against them and survive. So we're gonna use deception and trying and deceive them 
into accepting us as them. And so, anyway, that's the background behind this story. The first thing I want to talk about today is we possess our inheritance by being faithful in our commitments today. That is really the, the point of today's message. We possess our inheritance by being faithful in our commitments today. You see, when I was talking about these two forces at work, those that wanted to just join together and have one huge army to overtake Israel and defeat them, and then this other somewhat single nation or city-state, uh, the Gibeon, the Gibeonites, all right, they wanted to use deception. It's interesting. I ran across this saying, the same sun softens wax and hardens clay. Think about that. The same sun softens wax and hardens clay. Think about that, all right? Here we see an example of that. The, all the kingdoms that wanted to come together when they heard about what was going on, their hearts were hardened and they decided that they were just gonna go out and defeat the nation of Israel and their God. The other melted, so to speak, under the realization, the power, the majesty um, of this nation, the nation Israel's God, and what he meant to the Israelites. Just a powerful saying, I think, one to reflect on here. Gibeon today is now called Al-Jib. If you were to look it up on a map, you can find pictures of it on, on the web. But Al-Jib used to be Gibeon, all right? Now, what made this city so special? Well, it was a royal city. Like I said, greater than Ai. And all the men, it says in the scripture, were mighty men. In fact, we read where King David, one of his mighty men, was a Hivite. All right? And that's what I was going to say next. The Gibeonites were um, part of them. A major group of them were called Hivites, which were villagers people living in the lowlands. In fact, if you were to get a picture of this, um, you have your mountain areas and then there's a plain that kind of leads out to uh, the Mediterranean, all right? And it was in this plain region where uh, Gibeonite, uh, the Gibeonites lived, all right? Getting on to my point today, The way to avoid confrontation and judgment is to meet that conflict with repentance, all right? 
And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. As we read further in the story, um, we find out that when the one nation, the Gibeonites, or Gibeonites, I'm sorry, when they were getting ready to perform their deception, all right, what they decide is, look, we better get in there quick before the nation of Israel. Look, they're, they're moving out. They're conquering the land. Before they get to us, we better, um, let's just send a posse, so to speak, that will go and represent us. Let's go to them first, all right? Let's go to them first, and let's go in peace and, of course, deception. So what they decided to do was they put on worn-out sandals, sandals that were patched up. They had wine skins that were torn and had been repaired. They laid all their burdens to carry over donkeys. They were dressed uh, somewhat ragged, and that was how they approached Joshua and the nation of Israel. They came under the understanding that they were coming from far away. Because see, it was okay according to the law that anyone outside of the land of promise, there could be treaties, there could be peaceful um, alliances made, but as far as those that possessed the land, they were to utterly destroy them. Everyone, men, women, children, everything. And of course, you know, in some situations they destroyed it all, in others they didn't, and they paid the price for that, all right? So again, the Gibbonites understood all this. And so they thought, look, let's, let's present ourselves as though we've come from far away, when in actuality, they were only about six miles away. But the fact is, before Israel could do anything, they decided to go in, in peace and deception. So they did that. And here where we see another problem. In the course of doing that, they arrive, they present all of their um, belongings. They let them see they had moldy bread, okay? They did that on purpose to try and make it look like they had traveled very far, all right? Joshua ends up asking them questions uh, about all of that, trying to determine whether or not they were certainly travelers from far away or if they were occupying some of the land that they were to conquer. Well, without consulting God, based on reviewing their provisions, the molded bread, all of the other things, they, were, they had decided in their minds that these people had, in fact, come from far away. So, Joshua makes a commitment. He makes an oath to them. And that oath was that they would be at peace with them. All right? 
And then shortly after that oath was made, as we read further, we find out that um, Joshua had his own people that he would send out, you know, his own spies. So evidently Joshua thought, let's just check out this story to see if it's truthful or not. So he sent his people out and they find out within about three days that these people weren't from far away. They were actually, like I said, only about six miles away. And so Joshua calls them forward, approaches them. Why did you deceive us? And then we find out what follows in Scripture as a result of all of that. The point, again, is this, moving on, that the decision by Joshua and his counsel was made in haste. It was based on what they saw that they made this hasty decision. I don't know about you, but... Have you ever made hasty decisions before, maybe without consulting God? I know I have. And as a result, they had already committed, made a covenant promise with the Gibbonites. And you see, Joshua understood the importance of a commitment a covenant relationship made in the presence of God. He knew he couldn't just back away from that. The point that I wanted to make too is sometimes we get in these situations and we rely on our own impulses. You know, it looks good, tastes good, smells good, whatever. But maybe we don't always stop and take the appropriate time to ask God about whatever that situation may be, to get his counsel. You see, Joshua had at his disposal, he had God's promise that all he had to do was ask and God would reveal the truth in whatever decision. Another thing here that, um, another saying that I got from a commentary I was looking at by Matthew Henry, he said this, a lying tongue is but for a moment and truth will be the daughter of time. You know, um, these people Lied, the Gibeonites lied to Joshua and the nation of Israel. Yes, there was a covenant promise made before God, but there was still a price for lying. We find out by reading that that punishment for deceiving the nation of Israel was that they would be woodcutters and water bearers for the priest from then on. You know, they had to cut all the wood to, for all the sacrifices. They had to carry 
all of the water for the various sacrifices and, and um, offerings that were made before God. And you'll read later in Scripture that that carried on for, for a long time. You know, when we get in these situations, sometimes it's easy to blame other people. Joshua could have blamed his counselors for not giving him good counsel. Maybe sometimes we get in these situations and we even blame ourselves for where we're at. Or even in other situations, we may even blame God. But instead of doing those things, we read in Joshua 10, verses 3 through 11, this next part that I'm going to share with you about. And that is, again, that Joshua and his council understood the importance of an oath. It was binding especially when it was made in the presence of God. And where they would break commitments earlier, they experienced um, the wrath of God. Because in scripture it says, God will not be mocked. And so, I guess what I just wanna say to us today is, how many of us make decisions? Yes, maybe sometimes we make them in haste. But then we think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need to carry through this. I'll just, I'll just let this go. It's really become quite the um, philosophy of today, hasn't it? You talk about commitment. How much commitment is there? We see all around us in all dynamics, family, work, whatever, that, and, and there are reasons, okay? I don't wanna group every situation into what I'm saying in a broad stroke, but I think you know what I'm talking about. I remember probably um, 15 years ago, it seems maybe longer than that by now, 20 years ago, where, you know, you would hear where, when I was working in a nursing home as an administrator, um, and we had staff that would care for those that were in our care, the residents. They were nurse aides and orderlies, all right? I just could not believe how easily it was for people to just quit their job without giving any kind of notice or they just did not respect the commitment that they were making to the employer. The employer wasn't me. I was just overseeing everything. And I just have noticed that through the course of time, it just seems like that has gotten worse, you know? where people just do not hold on to the commitments they make. Today, I just want to 
encourage us to invite God into our decision making. Invite God into whatever situation we may be going through. Seek his counsel before we commit. And then when we commit, yes, there are going to be times when it's going to be extremely difficult. But as we are faithful to that commitment that we make before God, we will begin to reap the inheritance that God has promised for us. Well, like I said, Joshua could have blamed others, but he didn't. And what happens later in the story? Well, remember I talked about right at the very beginning, all these other king, uh, city states were getting together and they said, let's just join together and have one big army and go after them. Well, they wanted the Gibeonites to join in with them. And were, when they had heard, probably through sending their own spies out, all right, when they had heard that the Gibeonites had committed through deception to be in connection with the Israelites, they were, they were furious. And so they decided we're gonna, the first one we're gonna go after is the Gibeonites and we're gonna destroy them. And so as they were in preparation to come and defeat the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites sent out their own messengers to Joshua and Israelites and said, look, you guys made a commitment. You made a promise. And we need your help. They're coming to destroy us. And this is the good part that I'm going to end on. All right? So when that word had reached Joshua, again, instead of getting wrapped up in self-pity, blaming self for this bad relationship that developed, and oh no, now we've got to go fight somebody else's war and battle. Because he was faithful, because the nation of Israel was faithful, without question, they said, we will go and defend you. Here's the good part. Because of their allegiance to God and the commitment they made this is what happened God answered Joshua's commitment with this if you read on you will find that the next 31 battles that were fought the nation of Israel was victorious. God gave them the power and ability to overtake all these other kingdoms and all these other armies because of their faithfulness before God. Secondly, if you look at verse, uh, verses 12 and 13 real quick in chapter 10. 12 and 13 of chapter 10, it reads this way. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon, 
So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. In fact, in scripture, I believe I'm right on this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only occasion where someone just asked of God, commanded of God, God, make the sun and the moon stop until we avenge our enemies. And it says in, in scripture that there's no other time where this occurred. God gave them great power, not only to defeat all these other city-states, but even to command the sun and the moon to stand still, to make the daylight long enough that they could conquer all of this. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And you know what? These miracles, these things we hear about, they're not meant to just be Old Testament. They're meant for us today, but we just have to believe it. We have to be committed to God's call in our lives. And as we are faithful to make him Lord of our lives, we too will experience these miraculous provisions and blessings of God, protection. Oh yeah. Probably the third thing that I wanted to point out here was not only were they victorious in the next 31 consecutive bat, uh, victories or battles, but, and not only did they, were they able to command the sun and the moon to stand still, but because of Joshua's faithfulness and his commitment he made before God and others, Joshua experienced new dimensions new dimensions of inheritance. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go to Genesis chapter one, verse 28, what, what was it that God said when he created man? He said he wanted him to have dominion over the earth. When you have dominion, what do you have? You have rulership over that that God has entrusted to you. By being faithful, Joshua experienced new dimensions of what it meant to have dominion in his life and in what God had purposed for him in the nation of Israel. That is the message today. Have you found that there are situations similar to Joshua and the Gibeonites? that you um, have gotten yourself in, maybe uh, out of ignorance. You just didn't know. Or maybe it was a bad decision, meaning a failure somewhere. Maybe it was a situation where others were just taking advantage of you or of the circumstances that you were both in. My question to you is, what has been your response? I know what my response has been. It's, it's not always been good, but I believe God's helping me more and more in that area. And I know he's helping many of you as well. Have you ever been in a situation where you blamed others? Have you blamed yourself? 
Have you even gone so far as to blame God sometimes? Are we walking in a covenant keeping relationship with God? As we are faithful, God will honor that. He will bless that. And we will experience the miraculous. The miraculous provision, protection, and blessing of God in our lives. Not one day when we get there, but right now. God wants us to understand that. And he desires that that becomes real to us, that we walk in that. Why? Because he is so anxious. He is so anxious for us to understand this and to walk in the blessings of all of this. Why? For the ultimate reason, so that we can fulfill the great commission, his purpose in having us here to lead others to Christ. Well, that's my message for today. Let's just bow our heads for a minute in an attitude of prayer. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would first of all, we know that you love us dearly. Your purposes are not to always go around and be correcting us and beating us up, so to speak, or always pointing out our weaknesses. Father, you're a God that loves us and, and you want to encourage us. And Father, this word today, I believe, is meant to be an encouragement. That as we are faithful to the commitments we make today, even sometimes when they're made on bad circumstances, Father, you will be faithful in blessing us in new dimensions of dominion, of rulership. Father, I pray today that you would personalize that message in each one of our hearts. We love you. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message from Pastor Run. We hope that this message has helped draw you closer to God. We also hope that you will be able to join us for our Sunday worship as we would love to have you be a part of our church family. Our Sunday school starts at 9 a.m. and Sunday worship starts at 10 a.m. Don't forget to check out our website where you can find our address and our church phone number. The website is trinityfriends.com. Once again, that's trinityfriends.com. While there, feel free to check out the calendar for upcoming church events that are happening as well. 
And feel free to check out our new Facebook page to stay up to date on all the new activities that are happening as well. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, God bless. Speak to me.